Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. It's Elaine here with you today, and my guest is Jenny Luther, who is a mom, a a gritty mom, the mom and author of Blue Star Grit. And um, we're going to have a conversation about parenting complex kids in a true form. So, Jenny, welcome. It's great to have you here. I feel honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So you wrote a book called Blue Star Grit which is about raising your son, right? You have you have some language around that. Once you introduce that, that'll help. Well, he was the most defiant, persistent, tenacious, precocious, passionate, persevering child and defiant on top of all of it, which was the big D, which was in my name. And um, But I do believe he came into my life to help me to move from a place of fear to a place of love. And we grew each other up is pretty much what happened over a period of time. And it was a beautiful and also tragic experience, but something that I think, you know, there's a soul's code. We come in with a soul's code when we come on this planet. We're here for a reason. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to figure it out, but he helped me figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> they they have that habit of doing that. And so, you know, our audience who who is accustomed to us talking about raising complex kids will find a lot of familiarity and, you know, defensive, defiant, determined, perseverant. Like these are our kids. They are. I, I used to say to my kids all the time, you're going to be an amazing adult. We just got to get you there. And sometimes getting them there is is quite an adventure. It's an adventure because I think we have an agenda before we get in the game. And the agenda is always around our looking good as a parent and how are we going to be perceived as a parent based on how our children behave. And that's the misnomer right there is that that throws us into control, in my opinion. And then when we start controlling, all you need is someone like Bart, who that was my son, who to trigger every one of those feelings inside you and help you to see you need to see this differently. Well, we talk about that lot, a lot at Impact Parents about whose agenda is it? And I love what you're saying because there's an agenda about the doing, the getting stuff done, the accomplishment, the achievement, the getting out the door, whatever. And then there's also the agenda about having it look a certain way, having us look a certain way as parents. And that's really what I hear you speaking to most. Yes. And it's really what I go into deeply is my conscious um, transformation of going from understanding that his behavior really was never about him. It was about me. It was, exactly. me, it was totally me. And my response had an impact on him and my responses were reactive. They weren't responsive. And so 
he just wouldn't let it go. He was not, there's, there was no sticker star bribe, threat, uh, restraint. There was nothing that was going to change this little guy's head. I mean, he was going to let me, he was going to force me to look at myself before I could move forward with him. So in my audience, you will hear that as, you know, we talk a lot about respond versus react, which I'm hearing you speak to. And, and for those parents who tend to call us up and say, there's nothing else for me to take away. There's, (laughs) I can't take away anything else. This is really what you're speaking to is that, that he wasn't, it wasn't about the stuff. It was about how are you behaving in relation to me? How are you speaking to me, talking to me? What are you really trying to communicate? So my MO when I was in the control mode was he was doing this to me. If he would just listen and he would just stop, then I could get on with my day and take care of him, which was because I was a single parent at the time. I was working in a psychiatric center with three and four-year-olds who were severely sexually and emotionally abused. And I couldn't even raise my own son. You know, I could not raise him without, I, I just felt embarrassed and control, um, out of control with him. And so it was more than frustrating. And I just wanted him to stop. I could, and that is the difference between that and becoming conscious is to say, what is he communicating to me right now? What he's, he, what is he, he wants to make sense of his world and right. he's calling out for that. And uh, I just didn't know that that was that cue. He was trying to connect with me. Yeah. And there's so many, like those of you in our audience who are listening, it's like you're hearing all these buzzwords, right? All these code words for, for um, we want him to stop. We're feeling embarrassed. We're feeling out of control. They're feeling out of control. And so something, something tipped the scale for you in your story. Like it sounds like you were a single mom raising this kid who was not um, fitting into the profile you expected. Mm-hmm. What happened that had you kind of go, okay, I've got to start connecting and stop controlling? Well, I think it was uh, over a period of time in many, many stories, which are in the book, the Blue Star Grip book, but it started with a wooden spoon. I mean, I literally hear the professional working at a psychiatric center lost it and watched myself act stupid, threatening him with a wooden spoon because he wouldn't do what I was telling him to do or stop doing what I wanted him to stop doing. And How old was he? He was two and a half, very precocious. Okay. <laughs> so they're really in full self control at two and a half, right? Right, right, right. And he gets that shit eating grin on his face and he looks at me, pulls his pants down, and he taunts me and says, Spank me, mommy, spank me. And it was at that moment I felt like that was my last straw. Now I watched myself act stupid because I knew if I actually used it, I would really hurt him. I was just wired to do that from what I had threats of when I was a child, but bottom line, I was completely out of control. And I really thought I was going to lose him. I thought he was going to be taking over the, the house and I was actually scared to death. I started to become really afraid, but then there was a moment. I'm going to pause you afraid, afraid of what me. I was afraid he was going to be in total control of my house and I had no control left. Okay. So you were afraid he was going to, he was going to become the serial killer. I mean, I, I sat there, the blood rushed down to my feet. I was like, he's got complete control of this house. And I'm scared to death because his, his tantrums were not just little tantrums where he'd throw himself on the floor. He would destroy the entire house. Yeah. So he would destroy and they were 45 minute long tantrums. So it was major. And so I was scared to death. I really was. And and I thought to myself, there was a moment that said, there has to be more to this than just him. It has to be about me yes. too. 
Yes. And I can't imagine with that wooden spoon in his face looking like the Wicked Witch of the West, what that did for him. But what I later learned was that fear, kids turn fear into a game. And so what I thought he was doing to me was his fear. His smile yeah. on his face of come get me was fear. And I didn't know that, but I learned it later as I started to pursue down this path because I was a speech pathologist and I shifted my entire career because of him. Really? Yeah. Wow. So was- you had this epiphanous moment and went, okay, this is not who I want to be as a parent. I don't want to be out of control. I don't want him to be in control. I don't want to be threatening. So what did you do differently? I mean, now in, in our audience, we would, you know, invite people to the coach approach and we have a way, you know, forward. Oh, there's so much now, especially all the information we know about the brain and how it develops self-regulation. Yes. There's so much now that I would have done completely different. Right. It was baby steps. And this is the thing, like, you know what you're supposed to do, but you fall into your trap. I mean, I threw him in a, I threw him in a snowbank and I was so frustrated with myself. I wasn't frustrated with him. I was frustrated with me. I, I tried different things, but once I started to let go and let him take some responsibility with things, then I started to see that that was what he needed. He needed to feel challenged. He needed the power. He needed to feel valuable. He needed all these things. When I would trust him enough to let go of something, knowing that he was going to be disappointed, I had to be okay with that. You know, so it started with his binky. Honestly, he wanted to get rid of his binky. That was his self-regulation. I mean, there was a lot of stress in my house being a single parent, yada, yada. But he wanted to get rid of his binky because the peers at his, his uh, childcare were saying, you're still, you still have a binky or whatever it was. What'd you call it? A pacifier. So he came home and he was, he was four and he said, mommy, I want to get rid of my binky. Now he had this a lot. Like he would use it in his room. We had some restrictions around it because it was doing something to his teeth. But bottom line is he said, I said, okay, just throw it in the garbage, done, done, throw it in the garbage, put it there. And we went back upstairs at night and I, he, he found, apparently he found another binky and he had it in his mouth when I went to say goodnight. And I said, what happened? I said, you said you were going to throw away your binky. Now give me the binky. And he looked at me sucking on his binky and he goes, I think I'll wait till I'm five. <laughs> it's hilarious. And so, you know, at that moment I said, this has to be his, he has to, this is, he's got to deal with this. And so another month later, he really decided. And this time I encouraged him this time we celebrated this time. We, this time we danced, we, we did a whole ceremony around it and he was able to do it. He was able to do it. So so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back because I got a question for you. Okay. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. Welcome back, everybody. My guest is Ginny Luther, and we're talking about control, really. And what I love about what you've shared so far is that you were afraid that he was going to be in control of the house. And what you discovered was the path to him not controlling the house was actually giving him more control. 
Mm -hmm. So the language you use is that I had to trust him enough. And I know that we we deal with this a lot with parents in our community because this co- the coach approach is all about transferring ownership, transferring agency, giving our kids a sense of of control and ownership, and and trusting them. And yet we hold so tightly because we're afraid. So so will you speak a little bit to what that experience was like for you, wanting control and yet understanding that in order to have that control, you had to relinquish it and trust. Well, let's just talk about trust. So trust is what are we trusting? We're trusting that they're going to handle disappointment. We're going to trust that they can handle those emotions that are big emotions that are, that, that don't feel so good. You know, we're guidance system for us, for sure. And they're our teacher. Those are, those are really what teach us to build resiliency is the ability to, you know, manage disappointment, frustration, anger, fear, scared, anxiety, all of that. And so my fear was that he was not going to be able to manage that. But I didn't I didn't really know that on a conscious level. Right. right? So it really happened a lot in baby steps with me. There were just little things along the way that I had to let go of. One of the things I let go of a lot was around school. Yes. I just didn't allow the teachers would call me up and say, he's not doing this or he's not doing that. Can you talk to him? And I said, well, I'll talk to him, but it really isn't about me. It's about your relationship. And so for me, it was like, he's having the problem with you. He's not having the problem with me and I'm willing to support you, but I'm not willing to take your baton of power struggle and go in with him. Because if you want to be in a power struggle with this child, I wish you well, I am not going to spend my whole night doing it. So, so and again, to parents trust Yeah, I, I just want to say, and I'll put some links to the show notes to some some good resources on talking to kids, teachers, because I love what you're saying. It, parents are very frustrated that our job is often to educate parents, our teachers, because the teachers don't get education about these kids. They really don't. They're not very well informed too often. And so sometimes our job is to help them be in relationship with our kids, which is what I hear you describing. Yes. And I teach teachers all around the country. I have for years just, you know, this conscious sort of uh, uh, discipline approach. And uh, it, it's hard for them, too, because the truth is it's always about relationship. Yes. You know, your, your emotions come from your relationships a lot. Like you leave a job, not so much about the job. It's about the relationships you have in the job. It doesn't mean people have great, never leave jobs and have great, don't have great relationships. I'm just saying that it, it, it's important to know it's relationships that guide us to conflict. And it's the emotional upset. Like we either have conflict or we don't. So my relationship with him was the most important thing to establish. Cause if I could ke- connect with him in his most upset state, yes. then he was willing, his willingness went way up to want to be compliant or hear me or listen. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause he f- was feeling seen and heard and recognized and acknowledged and, and respected as an autonomous. And guided. He, he would want to be yes. guided. Yeah. yeah. But you have to feel, and we talk about this a lot in, in a lot of our training and programming at Sanity School, that, that for our kids to feel safe, right? Our, for our kids to learn anything, they have to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that safety, as you say, comes from connection, comes and from trust. relationship and trust. Exactly. And the trust they comes come. from communication. And like, there's this kind of cyclical relationship there. It's right? really all inner. 
Yeah, it's all interconnected. And and when we don't trust, we do a couple of things. We either control every and micromanage children or we save them all the time. So we save them from feeling the feelings. And when we do that, we lose. They that's the worst thing that I see is what we overprotect. We make weak. And there's a lot of overprotection going on out there that I think so kids feel incapable. They're anxious all the time. They don't think they can manage things and handle things. And I think it's because we want them to be happy. We want them to be actually a little happy and a lot calm. We don't want them too happy, you know, <laughs> a little happy and a lot calm. We don't want them frustrated, scared, mad. Right. All the other then we have to deal with those emotions and we don't want to right. have to deal with their emotions. Right. Because they're triggering our emotions. So yes. it's so the whole point of all of this is it starts with me first. And my if I'm anxious and upset, I'm going to dictate that state to my that whatever child I'm with or any person, because we're always co-regulating with each other. Yeah. We're always so I just had this conversation with a client this morning who was you know, really, really upset about a kid applying for university. And and that was kind of like, okay, well, let's start by who's really upset here. (laughs) Like you got to get yourself out of this so that you can fully pay attention over there to what he's dealing with, because he's reacting to your worry that he can't. And so here's what's coming up as I'm hearing you say this. I love that quote, what we ever protect, we make weak, right? The flip side of that is that they may have doubt. And so they need us to actually hold vision for them to not doubt their capacity, but to see their their capacity and invite them to it instead of undermining them by saying, well, I'm worried you're not going to be successful because they're already worried about that. Is that fair? So if you think about it, think about going to school when you were younger. What teacher did you like the best? Yeah. You like the teacher who believed in you. Yeah. She was a little firm. She, so, was gonna, she was going to see your potential. And the firmness you knew was because she was seeing what you could do. You got this. You can do this. There's yes. nothing that is going to stop you. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, you haven't failed. You've just learned. That's it. That's all. Yeah. Well, but, but failing, let, let's talk a little bit about the value of failure, right? It's huge. And yeah. Bart, was, Bart was willing to take the risk. He did, uh, if you read the book, you'll see, but amazing. He took some really big risks and I had to let go a lot. Some big let goes for me, huge let goes for me. And um, that's because I was worried he was going to fail. Yeah. And when your child hurts, you hurt. Yeah. And so you feel responsible. But the truth is, you're not responsible for how they feel. And you're not responsible for their choices in life. You're not responsible for their success. You're responsible for the safety and connection you provide in a loving environment that guides them and helps them to see their way. That's it. And ideally, that allows you to set them up for the greatest success possible. Yeah, it does. Right. It does. On their journey. But this is their journey. It's their journey. You know, as as much as we want it to look a certain way, you know, that's that's not what we actually bought into when we decided. And my my son said to me when he was 16, he goes, Mom, he was going to Portugal. He wanted to go to West Point and he wanted another language fluently. And he was doing it in his junior year. And he had to come back in his senior, apply to West Point and do his junior year because any credits weren't going to be taken from Portugal. And I just thought it was way too big of a goal for him. And I said to him, 
Bart, do you realize what you're, you realize what you're up against here? You, you sure? And he looked at me right in the eyes and he gave me the most, the most poignant quote that I always think of. Your agenda for my life, mom, is not my agenda. And you have a choice. You can support me or you can fight me on this. What do you think is going to be more helpful to me? Why? I love that. Your agenda for my life is not my agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, so I have a a child who's an actor and very similar who wanted to go to Hollywood and make great. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who had been a writer and very successful in, in, in Hollywood when I was trying to figure out what to do. And he said, you got two choices. You can support them or you can oppose them. They're going to do it anyway. So I suggest you support them. And, and it was the best advice I ever got. It's like, okay, I got to, I got to figure out how to be with this and get on this train because this is the train they were on. Yep. He taught me so much. He taught yeah. me so much about letting go and sort of what other people think is none of your business. And he just taught me so much. <laughs> I, I, and then unfortunately, that. yeah, unfortunately he was murdered. So I had no control over that either. So mm-hmm. he was, he achieved a lot of his goals and then was murdered. So it was a, a very difficult thing. But if you read the book, you'll see how I moved through that whole yes. process, yeah. but also what he taught me that helped me move through all that process. So yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That, And I'm, and I'm sorry for that, for that loss and for the trauma that that brings for you. And and I really honor your capacity to take that and do something constructive with it and useful to serve, serve other parents. So thank you for bringing that forward. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Well, I, the, the book was a divine, right? I'm not a writer. I keep saying that and they go, yes, you are. <laughs> I but totally understand that. I, I wrote the book with him during COVID. And so, yeah, so. Beautiful. Well, so Jenny, um, this is a great time for us to segue into how can people find out more? Um, The name of the book again is Blue Star Grit, A Mother's Journey of Tragedy and Triumph, Raising a Defiant Child into an Exceptional Leader. Beautiful. It's a long subtitle. It's long, but it's beautiful. And we will have the link in the the show notes, everybody, um, as always. And you can also reach her at JennyLuther.com, which we will also have in the show notes. So as we wrap up this conversation, is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd want to bring up or anything you want to, any message we've talked about you want to hit home? Like, how do you want to wrap your part of this conversation? I think I want to wrap it with, it's to me, it's all about self, self-acceptance self so that when we are the model for them. So if we are able to manage our emotions through acceptance and empathy, and empathy is the key to all of this, is when we have empathy for ourselves, then we can begin to have to actually give it to to our children and to other people. It seems like it's the real problem in our world today is empathy, lacking empathy. And it's, it's that ability to be able to see your child versus judge your child. That makes the biggest difference in the world. So yeah, that, and for them too. We have a tool that we teach to parents called ACE and I'll put a link in the show notes and um, I was watching a Brene Brown piece and discovered as she was talking about empathy, that, that if you break it down, empathy is about acknowledgement with compassion. And it's, it's without trying to change somebody. Exactly. It's, you're it's not trying good. to change them. You're just helping them to see themselves. Yeah. And, exactly. and when they can see their themselves, then they can make sense out of that, the world. 
So we all know this. We go home and we vent because we've had a bad day. And our husbands say, well, I'll just do A, B, C, and D. And, you'll be <laughs> and Great. you're like, Thanks that's not what I want from you. <laughs> right? And kids are doing the same thing. They don't want you to solve the problem. They want you to listen and help them make sense of it so that they can make a choice. Whether it has a positive or negative outcome is really not the point. (laughs) Well, and, you know, earlier you said when when we overprotect, we make weak. And so sometimes in our community, we do have kids who want us to solve it and fix it for them. And very often that's because we've been doing it so much. We've taken the, the control of the agenda so much that they've given up trying. And so that's a great indicator when they do want you to do too much for them. It's an indicator that that it's it's our job to step into empowering rather than. Yeah. And I think the main point here is that your children's disappointment is a gift. It's not something to to avoid. It's not something to try to happy up. It's 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 there to teach them. Disappointment is the feeling that guides them to say, I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to try it this way. And it's for all of us that's important, whether it's anger, disappointment, fear. It's telling us something. It's a message that says, pay attention. Yeah, beautiful. Jenny, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for what you're you're bringing forward and for, for taking your incredibly challenging and beautiful relationship with your son and bringing it forward. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. To those of you listening... Take a moment, tune into yourself. What are you noticing about the conversation that Jenny and I just had? What's jumping out for you? What insight do you want to take away from this conversation? What's your aha? And perhaps is there some application? Is there something you want to do with that information? Is there some conversation you want to have? Or is there some shift for you in how you be as a, as a parent to your complex kids? And as always... Thanks for what you're doing for yourselves and your kids. At the end of the day, you make a profound difference. Take care, everybody. See you next time. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.